dude, society programmed me to think that if I don't fit the freaking rigid little box of mainstream beauty, then I'm quotation marks ugly. And here I am, I'm bald from chemo, there's my double chin, there's my, my bloated body from chemo, there's my chest with two huge gashes across it, and, you know, bloody things from where the tubes were pulled out, and beneath the programming, I was like, I'm freaking beautiful. I am beautiful because, just because I have a body, and like, that is a miracle. Hey everybody, welcome to your For Women Who Roar podcast. This is your host, Megan February, and I'm so excited to be here to share the wonderful, authentic stories and poetry and art of women. If this is your first time to the podcast, welcome. It's always a pleasure to have new listeners, and uh, we say this all the time, but when you are sharing your story, you're an advocate, and if you are listening, you are an advocate. So just by you being here, plugging into the community, you are participating in a form of advocacy for women's voices and stories. So thank you so much. All right, we got some news for you. Our second print edition is currently in production and will be available in July. So you can pre-order your copy now on the shop and on our website. So definitely go check it out. Reserve your copy. It's stunning. And if you have a shop or a store and you want to feature this magazine, then you can be our stockist. So yay! Just send us an email and we can give you all the information on how you can get signed up for that. All right, next up, our submission portal is open. So we are now taking submissions for the body issue on the topic of body. So definitely go ahead and send us all your beautiful poetry and writing and art for a chance to be featured on our online magazine and in our next print publication. We'd love to give you this opportunity to be heard and seen. Um, so go ahead and do that. We've also opened up a narrative prose um, via mp3 so you can be featured reading your work on our podcast which is super fun and we are also taking video pros so you can submit video of you reading your work for our youtube channel so super fun so if you're not into like writing out your work you can and you're more into the youtube and the video and the uh, spoken word this is your space so definitely go ahead and submit that and we'd be so excited to see your work and your face and hear your voice. It just adds a whole nother special element to it. All right, my friends, let's not delay anymore. Let's dive into this amazing conversation with Golden Drake. You are just gonna, you wanna just sit down, grab a pen, grab a cup of coffee, and just take a deep dive, because this is deep and it's beautiful and it's hard and this conversation made me cry uh, while we were having it, but also while I was editing, the, editing this. So I hope it speaks to you as much as it spoke to me. Hey everybody, welcome to Here for Women Who Roar podcast. This is your host, Megan, February, and I am so excited to be here with the amazing Golden Drake, who you may know from the cover of our first issue. Um, she is such an inspiration, and I came across her feed uh, this past year and was so empowered and inspired by reading her vulnerable story um, of survival and 
also how she just continues to press into her voice and power. So I'm so excited for you to meet her and to hear her voice for yourself. So, hey, Golden. Hi, Megan. Thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. I'm so excited to have you on the show and to get to know you better and to hold space for you to share a bit of your story here. Stoked. Let's do this. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So let's just start um, by you sharing a little bit about yourself, you know, just a little bit about your background, um, what you think would be great for people to know about who you are and maybe something that might surprise people. Okay. Um, Well, It's always interesting to give the identification description and maybe just to start off with surprising people. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I've always felt perplexed at playing the human game. And so that's kind of been a signature imprint of my life story is trying to figure out how to be a human because I see so many folks out there doing it so well. And I've always since I was a kid, kind of scratched my head and been like, how do some people do this so well? Like, I don't get it here. Nothing makes sense on this planet. Mm -hmm. Um, And now as an adult, I kind of see that the framework of nothing makes sense is it's the society because nature has always resonated. Nature and the earth um, has always made sense to me. But it's like, how do you function in this paradigm, in this world, in this society that everything feels upside down, inside out, backwards? Um, it doesn't resonate. And so it's it's always been quite an interesting challenge to just figure out how to freaking be a human being every day. Um, <laughs> So I identify first as source, having a human experience like everyone else. Mm -hmm. Um, And I am in a female body. I am a mother to two incredible human beings that I believe came into my life. I'm so honored that they chose me to be their mom. They came into my life and they put my feet on the ground and they really kind of helped me find my inner compass and helped me get more attached and connected to this reality of like, all right, I'm here, I'm doing this thing. And suddenly it was like, it wasn't about me at all anymore. It was about being in selfless service to ascended masters in infant bodies. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've, been a mom and I've been a single mom for almost all of their lives. I have an 18 year old and a a daughter who's almost 16. And um, I I think I define myself as a creative, as an artist. You know, it sounds really pompous to say like the word mystic just showed up on my tongue and Mm. I'm like, who am I to say I'm a mystic? But Mm. I feel I'm a Pisces and I'm very much more comfortable in the creative dream sort of fantasy imagination realm. Um, I recently went through breast cancer and um, went through the horrors of the Western medical modality treatment of chemo, radiation, um, bilateral mastectomy, almost died a few times in there. Um, and 
I can honestly say that every single one of my most horrific experiences that I was blessed enough to survive have been the most precious gifts. Um, Well, not the most, but some of the most precious gifts I've been given. And so meeting with the spirit of death and looking the spirit of death in the eyes and being like, all right, whose game is it? Like, are you going to win? Or is the life force within in this body going to win? And being brought to the brink of nearly losing my body or leaving my body brought me into the awakening of the preciousness of having a body and the this impetus to really be my freaking self, my authentic self, because I've spent a lifetime for a host of reasons, you know, like early childhood, uh, child attachment wounding and core wounds and all the things that happen in early childhood that sort of inform the way that we're going to navigate life imprinted upon me that who I was in my authentic self just wasn't good enough to garner the unconditional love that I was longing for and that I needed. So I kind of played this game my whole life of being very adaptable, very mutable, showing up in the ways where I thought would make people more comfortable or, you know, as like a covert agenda, a way to garner love, a very sincere strategy to get that. Um, But when it was like my life was on the line, I went into this space of like, holy shit, dude, if it's going down, like if I'm going to die soon, I, I need to, first of all, be myself fully and I need to love who I am fully. And, and so going into this process of like chemo and like, the horrors of what that does to your body mind and your spirit and your emotions and and your mental health and losing your breasts. And it was just like trauma after trauma. I lost my dad the day before I was diagnosed. I lost my uncle during treatment. And so I lost my job during treatment. Like my life was coming undone, but it was just like all of these things, this disintegration of reality and in my life being blown to smithereens and my sense of reality being blown to smithereens was a gift because it brought me down into the essence of truly like, who am I deeper than all the imprints that have been placed upon me by the world? Like, who am I really? And what am I? And where did I come from? And why am I here? And if I get to live, what happens next? You know, and if I don't get to live, what happens next? And how can I, you know, how can I really, truly freaking love myself. So it's wild because cancer was sort of the crescendo of a life of a lot of struggles and hardships as a single mom and, you know, living in poverty for so long and and just surviving amidst patriarchy. That's hard for any human being on this planet unless you're like in the 1%, right? But it's just, it's been this journey as of late of, of awakening and feeling into the preciousness of simply having a body to experience this third dimension. And and so I guess that's not a very succinct way to describe and give people a sense of who I am, but that's like the most brief I could make it. Oh, no, love it. That has definitely been my experience of you so far is as a honest, 
embodied storyteller. And I haven't even met you in person. So this is all through the strange world of social media um, that has become a really cool way for us to connect and feel connected, uh, you know, beyond the physical. Um, And from my experience of reading through your kind of online diary, I have been so inspired by um, your kind of just just boldness to share your experience, your truth without apology. And I think it takes lifetimes to to learn that kind of self-acceptance and and to unlearn patterns of resistance against our true self and that place of apology for who we are growing up. Um, I really relate to that. And I think it's always, you know, um, a process of learning our voice and trusting that. You kind of spoke to this in our, in our interview in the issue, um, and you've spoken to it on your social media platform about how you did create that kind of online journal to document your experience after you were diagnosed can you share about what what prompted that for you and how has that served you as you've been going through this process and how it's maybe served others? Awesome. Yes. Okay. So I think it all kind of started with right after I was diagnosed, I had this thought of, It's like when you're diagnosed, you have to tell people or, you know, some people don't tell people. But in my world, I was like, I need people to know. I mean, I'm going to be going on this journey and I honestly don't know if I'm going to live to tell this tale. So I'm just going to speak on it. So I made a video on YouTube where I shared my diagnosis and I put it out there and I got, you know, of course, a flood of response from loved ones and people who were leaning in to give their love and prayers and offer support and whatnot. And along with that, I had created a GoFundMe and I put that video in there. And when I was diagnosed uh, and I spoke to the specialists that were going to be treating me, um, the oncologist, the surgeon, the radiologist, the, the piece about the surgery um, and knowing that I was, you know, eventually I chose to have a bilateral mastectomy and I knew I was going to go flat and I started doing research online about I wanted to see images and I wanted to hear stories of women who made that choice. Um, and I didn't find a whole lot, but the stuff that I did find was just like, gems you know like I saw images of what kind of like images that would prepare me like okay this is gonna be my reality and up until that point I had never seen an image like that um and you know for whatever reason I had never come across that uh and it's not really normalized or out there and there are really hardcore advocates for going flat after mastectomy but for whatever reason they hadn't crossed my path until I sought them out. And um, when I read some people's online journals or, and I saw a couple people on YouTube had documented it, it was so helpful for me that some of these people were re- 
were writing and recording videos and documenting in real time in process. And I was just like, wow, for me, it, it was like someone threw me a lifeline. It was just like, wow, okay, like this is helping me kind of find myself in my center in this horrific, terrifying process I'm about to go through. And I just realized I, I started to share posts, writing pieces and photos on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube about my process. And I got a lot of responses from people who were really intrigued and a lot of people magnetized in who were going through the cancer journey themselves. A lot of people who were just going through hardships in general or say their mom was going through it or their aunt had gone through it or whatever it was. And, you know, beneath it being a cancer journey, I think the subtext was also like, here I am just authentically doc documenting my life story um, online. And it just so happens that I'm going through like the gnarliest of gnarlies and I'm not editing it. And I just sort of had this holy vow with myself where it was like, dude, you're not, you're not going to hold back and edit in life anymore. And so my art was this sort of like playground where I got to explore what it felt like to be completely unbridled, completely authentic. You know, like I'd video myself dancing in my living room or just slightly moving or whatnot when I was going through chemo because I didn't get out of the house a lot because I felt so horrible. Mm -hmm. And I'd share those dance videos online. Or, and then when my breasts were removed, you know, I, I, took a, I had a friend. She snapped a photo of me in my surgeon's office when she had removed the bandages and she was pulling the tubes out of my chest, the drainage tubes. And I had my friend, you know, just snap a photo and, and I sat with it for a while because I was like, whoa, this image is gnarly. Like, I never would have fathomed before breast cancer that I'd be posting a photo that on um, first glance, I'm like, whoa, dude, I look monstrous. I look like cyborg. I look, I don't look human there. I look like something scary. And then I just fell into this deep compassion too for like, that's me and, and that's what's real and that's where I'm at. And then it brought me into a deeper contemplation of like, that's not a monster. That's fucking beautiful. I'm sorry that I'm cussing. Am I allowed to cuss on you? Oh yeah. Don't worry about it. That's totally good. I cuss all the time. <laughs> my art and my sharing started to be this sort of like this medicine where I started to see myself through a lens of unconditional love. And these words, unconditional beauty kept coming up for me when I would, you know, document this process was like, dude, society programmed me to think that if I don't fit the freaking rigid little box of mainstream beauty, then I'm quotation marks ugly. And here I am, I'm bald from chemo. There's my double chin. There's my, my bloated body from chemo. There's my chest with two huge gashes across it and, you know, bloody things from where the tubes were pulled out. And beneath the programming, I was like, I'm freaking beautiful. I am beautiful because just because I have a body and like that, 
is a miracle. And, you know, it was like unpacking those constructs that even while I'm in a fight for my life, I'm still preoccupied with about how I look. And if I share it, am I going to freak people out? And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm posting this. I'm sharing it. And I'm not just sharing it like, um, at, to advocate for a flat because now I'm a, an advocate for folks to know that going flat is an option that you don't have to get potentially cancer causing implants in your body after cancer, um, after your breasts are removed, you could, if you want, but flat's an option. But I also wanted to be like, dude, fuck the fucking, the rigid patriarchal paradigm that shoved down our throats our whole lives about what beauty is and it was like sharing it with the world helped me face it myself and, and normalize it for myself. Because when you look down for the first time and you see body parts missing, your brain doesn't compute it, you know? And then when it's like a body part that's associated with beauty or sexuality or my femininity or being a woman, um, it really, really fucks with your head. And, you know, so it was like this many multi-layered process of art as therapy, art as healing, art as advocacy, art as connection, art as inspiration, um, helping folks in the body positivity movement, helping myself with the body positivity movement, so many aspects. And for me, it was like, it was a breath of fresh air to just be like, boom, this is me. Mm-hmm. And the fact that people were like, fuck yeah. And, and people would write to me and just be like, I'm so inspired by this. It's helping me in my own ways. I'm not going through cancer, but I'm going through this other thing. And you're, you're helping me feel like it's okay and safe to dig deep in my well and, and into my darkness and, mm-hmm. and to share it with myself or with loved ones or or maybe I do feel safe and bold enough to share myself truly online instead of a glossy, photoshopped, edited version of myself, you know? Um, mm. You know, it got to the point where I would receive DMs on Instagram, more than one, where people would say, wow, I was literally sitting here contemplating taking my own life. And mm. I, it just so happened I open Instagram, your thing pops up. It's the very post, the very words that I needed that actually caused me to not do that, to not take my life. So thank you. And I would just weep. I was like DM after DM of people who were just thanking me. And it was like, and it was such a blessing for me too, because I was like, this isn't even about my ego. It's not even about pumping my ego up and thinking like, yeah, I'm helping all these people. It was like, there is a divine illuminating essence that is moving through me that is reaching out from me. And it's like, it's like my own ego is getting out of the way for the biggest, deepest, truest me to move through to share an energy, and I call it, it's like an awakening energy, where it's like there's this energy that lives within us, and it is unconditional, infinite love, and it's the truth of who we truly are. And the world has all these really covert tactics to convince us otherwise, but something happens when you're in the presence of other people who are 
in this process of awakening into the truth of who they truly are, which is love. And it's like we help stoke each other's fires the same way that happens when I see people in my life in their ways being authentic and real and showing up at the risk of being seen as the crazy person or, you know, being ostracized for just being themselves. It's like, you're the real hero, you know, it's like you being that helps me be that. And so then when I'm that, then I can help other people be that. And so I don't know if I answer, I just kind of went on a tangent. Did that answer your question? (laughs) Yeah, you're good. So whenever you are sharing these really vulnerable stories and you know, I've, I began to use my platform in the same way, sharing poetry and uh, letting it be kind of a platform to share my different trauma stories um, about sexual assault and survival. And when I began to do that, um, I had really wonderful responses as well. Um, But every once in a while, I would get a response that was like, oh, you'll be okay. Or, you know, I don't know, something really optimistic, but was also really invalidating. Um, And I wasn't asking for someone to take care of me. Uh, You know, my voice and my openness and my putting it out there was a form of advocacy for my experience. Have you had any uh, experiences like that where someone kind of invalidated your experience through just trying to just pat you on the back and say, oh, you know, you'll be okay or whatever, you know, something that kind of took away the power of your pain and your voice of that? Big time. And I know, you know, in being in forums with other people who are dancing with cancer, um, this is a very, very common theme. And I think what it is, is like, we as, as people, as humanity, we're not taught the skills of dropping in and deeply presencing and witnessing someone else's pain without trying to fix it or bypass it. So first of all, we're not taught that skill set. Second of all, because we don't have the skills and because it's so taboo to talk about deeply painful things because... We don't want to inconvenience people. We don't want to burden people. We're not taught that this is an okay thing to do. Um, A lot of folks, they're not resourced enough or presenced enough to their own disturbing pains that they can't hold space for anyone else's. And they don't don't know how. Um, And so, yeah, a lot of people give you the cheerful pick-me-up, like, you're going to be all right. You're going to get through this. You're a strong warrior. I mean, there was a lot of that. And people mean well. It's sincere. You're tough. You're going to overcome this. And it's like, yeah, I know. But, like, right now I need you to sit with me in this. Like, that's a lot of what I experienced was, like, Mm. please just witness me. And I don't need you to fix me. I don't need you to gloss over this with how strong I am because right now I'm coming undone. I feel weak. I do know I'm strong, but I'm having a moment. And so what I've learned um, in life is that one of the most precious gifts you could give someone when they're in their pain is to not bypass it with a pick-me-up, cheer-me-up and not to immediately go into fixing it. Mm. It's can you sit with me 
and witness my pain with me, hold it in the container without attaching to it and letting it, you know, overwhelm or destroy you. You have to be resourced enough to do this work. And it's serious, high skill work. And uh, an added piece to that is, can you offer just empathy of imagine how that is for the other person who's sharing their deep pain with you? Just imagine it. Just reflect it back. Wow. You're going through so much right now. And that is so medicinal, so potent, so powerful. Um, and like I was saying, it's not a skill that is taught to us or that many of us know or have, um, have in our tool belt. So we go into fixes and we go into the bypassing or the, or the cheer me ups. Um, and again, that's all sincere, but what's mm -hmm. very helpful mm -hmm. for folks is to be witnessed and to be given empathy and just, just to allow that person to fully experience that feeling and know that feelings come and go and eventually it will go. And when we do that, we're trusting the intelligence and the wisdom of that person having that hard time that when they actually fully feel that feeling, they're actually able to move it through to make space for whatever else, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I've gotten a lot of that and I appreciate the intention, but I do notice and I did notice that there are very few people who can actually just show up and presence what is, especially when it's dark, especially when it's grotesque or painful. Mm -hmm. I, I love, love, love that you use the word witness because that has been such such a powerful word for for me and my healing process and journey and i think i think to be a witness of someone's story and pain is probably one of the most sacred acts we can do and really allows us to land with god mm. to be a sacred witness in suffering, um, I I don't think there's a more holy word than the word witness. I love that. It makes me think too that during my treatment journey, um, I was actually surprised at how many how many folks in my life backed up, mm. and a few of those folks felt at a certain point safe enough to tell me dude, it was too much. Mm -hmm. Even just to come and sit with me in my house or to communicate with me or whatever. It was like, I was such a scary mirror mm -hmm. of like, of like the reality that this is a finite realm that we live in and the horrors of illness um, and what could potentially happen or, you know, like, my embodiment of my cancer experience was triggering lots of other people in my life. And I even had like one of my dearest friends, one of my best friends had a real moment with me where she was like, girl, like I had to back way up because I couldn't take mm -hmm. it. Like it was too much for me to see you going through this. And 
And, you know, that's kind of the other side of sharing publicly on social media of the gnarly stuff, not just the highlight reel, which so much of social media is like, Ooh, look at me over here on this cool vacation and this and that. And, but it's like, I'm like over here, like, look at me. I just, um, had my breasts removed, you know? And a lot of people were like, dude, I had to unfollow you. Like I had to stop looking. I had to stop looking at your stuff. I had to scroll right by because it was just too much Mm -hmm. for me to take. And, um, it's just no judgment on anyone like that. It's just sort of a testimony to the world we live in and how much we hide our down moments and our sicknesses and death and the darkness. Like we are all, we all kind of collectively seek out looking for the spring. We look for the forever 21. Mm -hmm. We look for the Forever 21 look of youth of it's like we're in denial of the full life cycle. And when someone in our community is going through the gnarlies and holding up that mirror for us and we have to look away, you know, it's like it's a reflection of our societal values mm-hmm. and where the focus of our energy is. And, you know, it just it says a lot about who we are as humanity. Oh yeah, definitely. All the more reason for people to share, you know, their, their low points. You know, I know some people are like, Oh, it's so negative or blah, 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 whatever. But I mean, when we can share, you know, our, our true experiences, the, the down days, the, the suffering, even though some might not be able to hold that because it is too much of a mirror of, of their fear. Right. Or, this place of pain that's within them, um, it might save someone. And even if it's just that one person that they needed to know they weren't alone, it is a hundred million times worth it. Like, and so, I mean, that's what I would encourage everyone listening to just, uh, the reminder that, you know, we say this all the time, your voice matters, your story matters basically on repeat because, even the hardest stories are, and actually I think the hardest stories are to tell are the most important ones we need to hear. Right. Yeah. So I mean, that's what, I mean, that's what drew me to you, you know, like whenever I came across your feed and I don't even know how I came across it, who knows, you know, but I definitely, that's what, that's what drew me to it because I was longing to see something real um comes like I'm like a no bullshitter I like cannot take any bullshit (laughs) and when I came across you I was like oh this is someone that is truly landing in an authentic space and inviting us to go to that well and that's just so resonant for me and um so just thank you thank you for doing that and going to that brave space um for all of us well thank you and it makes me think about, you know, the name that you chose for women who roar. Um, Mm -hmm. And when I'm, when I think about me and my roaring process, it's been a very muted roar. It's, there's a roar in there, but it was so contorted and stifled by my life experiences and by the society in which I was born into and raised. Um, And it took nearly losing my life to unhinge the roar. And so 
you know, like I think about, I love the name because there is a woman wound and there is a witch wound. And for how many thousands of years have we been silenced by death and torture and slavery and abuse? Um, it hasn't been safe to roar since the dawn of patriarchy for female-bodied people. And we have incarnated into this really special time on the planet where women are like, fuck that! You know, like, <laughs> no, no, no. We are putting our foot down and we are opening our our mouths and we're, we're screaming it from every cell in our being now. And And the thing is, it's like, it still isn't really safe for us to do that. It's very risky to do that in this society still. But the beauty of these media platforms and, and the internet, because that's such a double-edged sword, but yeah, like you and me, we connected on Instagram. And, and it was like, wow, here's this other person in her female body that is finding her way to roar. And then as I go through the pages of your magazine and just like, wow, like it, the depth of what is in here and, and the level of vulnerability and authenticity in such a risky society paradigm. I mean, it takes serious courage to, first of all, identify that there is a roar within and then access it and let it out just solo, like on your own. And then share it with a couple people who you feel safe with. And then, I mean, the full blast is like throughout the multiverse, right? And, and when you put it online or if you print it in a magazine, you're seeding that into the world. And so mm-hmm. when women, female-bodied people tap into their roar and they're embodying it and they're living it, it's like once you're tapping into mm-hmm. it and you're accessing it, the roar it doesn't even have to be a sound that comes out. It comes out of your being, just walking upon the planet. It's like, there it is, you know? And I think it's also a testimony to the art and the way that our creations, our creativity, our art is also a roar. Um, and that society really teaches us to dull that out and not access that and be so preoccupied with being scrapping on survival mode and competing with each other and focused on all the um all the other things except for our unique vibrational imprint upon the the universe like that's the roar and we're taught not to so um i'm just really honored and, and excited and proud to be in your collection of people who are choosing to say fuck it and do it at at a dangerous cost. So thank you. Thank you for saying that. And, you know, I'm not someone that, you know, cries easily or <laughs> is able to access um, tears, but I have them right now. And I think, um, you know, what you're saying is really the pulse of why I began this uh, movement and this platform and, you know, the name for women who roar uh, was born from a poem I wrote uh, about a year and a half, two years ago. And it says, I know it scares you to see me get angry, 
to scream and rage and lose my mind. But I've been silent most of my life, voice muffled and whispering. So now I'm yelling every chance I get to make up for the silence. Like a lion, let loose from her cage, roaring and free. And um, so when you, you know, were sharing about this, uh, I was reminded that when I wrote that poem, it was in a season, you know, I think I had just gotten in uh, an argument with someone and let my voice out, let my voice rise. And immediately in response to my anger, felt ashamed for having had a voice and having had anger. And I was so angry about having to be ashamed about having anger, right? As a woman, I was so pissed and uh, was so dabbling with that question of like, what, what the hell is going on that I have to feel like I, I have to apologize mm. and mute my feelings and my rage and my experiences. I'm so done with that. And so that poem, that short poem was born from that. And uh, it was only, uh, I think, seven months ago that I pictured, I had that poem in my mind. It just kept coming up. And I thought, you know, this this has to be more than me. Like this this word, this title, this poem has to be about more than my experience in my existence. This has to be for everyone. And uh, when I begin to envision that, that's when I begin to see kind of a multitude uh, and a people that would be able to get behind it. And um, my passion was to begin to host safe spaces for women to share their experiences and their story and their rage and their sadness mm -hmm. and their hope. And I didn't picture it being um, as resonant as it is. And um, I didn't know exactly what it would become. I still don't quite know. I have a lot of visions for it. But what I love, love, love about it is that it has just become a place to kind of pass the mic off to to women and say okay what are you feeling how you know what's your story or what does voice mean to you or how have you felt powerless or what has given you power right and the responses and engagement and excitement behind it literally just pumps me up like every day and i'm so thrilled to be able to support voices um and you know, it's been something that I've been doing ever since I was little. Like, I don't know if you know this, but my when I was like 12 years old, I wrote my first book and <laughs> it was like really small, but um, it was <laughs> it was basically gathering the stories of um, uh, girls and friends that I was in school with in middle school. So I was super mm -hmm. young. And uh, I was in a really dark season, struggling just to survive with my depression and anxiety that I couldn't name um, at that time. And all my friends uh, at that time were also just holding so much pain and heartache and struggling with suicide and abuse and all these things. And anyway, I began to document their stories, kind of work as a biographer for them and collected their stories, wrote them out on my dad's old typewriter, and then printed them out and stapled, stapled them all together and called it um, 
I think it was like the truth we dare to tell or something really obvious. Yeah, I still have it. I'll have to uh, take a picture of it and tag it for you. Um, (laughs) It's great. But it's funny because it began at age 12. I feel like for women who roar, it began when I was 12 years old, maybe even before then. And ever since then, then to some degree, I feel like I've been trying to create this platform and I just didn't know what it was or what it would be. And now it's here and it's... I don't know, blowing my mind every day. <laughs> so, um, so it's really exciting to hear about your experience of it and to hear how the stories you've been reading um, by women has, in, has encouraged you too. And I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. It's, it's really empowering. Um, yeah. That's so beautiful. Yeah, I mean, we've been needing our communal safe spaces our whole lives and for how many lifetimes and how many generations of foremothers in our families have had to bear it all alone, you know? And, you know, even back in the day, it was like, like our grandmothers probably had to just be stoic and save face and and not even talk about real stuff with their best friends and, it's just like it's it's been stifled for for literally thousands of years with patriarchy and um it's it's just it's time it's been time it's been overdue and so gathering communally is what we do best and there is strength in numbers and so in all the small ways that people who are terrified to access their authenticity like it's the baby steps for people that are listening to this like I get a lot of people who write to me and they're like dude if I could just have your courage and I'm like listen I'm the biggest freaky cat ever walked the planet Um, (laughs) and and the courage is actually it it's in you it's there you just got to access it and sometimes because it's it's such an unsafe world we live in um we we see it in the millions of ways that it's like find ways to make your baby steps your access points to figure out what your roar is your your roar of authenticity your roar of uniqueness and truth and find ways to express it and embody it that feels safe and that feeds it's like it's like pouring gasoline in your fire of your heart and you know pretty soon you have you went from a tiny little spark to this like raging bonfire and you start to give less fucks about how it's received in the world and and you start to magnet magnetize in people who appreciate it life morphs around the, the embodiment of our truth um so i know it sounds risky for so many people but it's so fulfilling and, and like once you start taking the steps, you never want to go back and you appreciate, you appreciate that you hid in the dark for so long be, and you understand why and there's no shaming or blaming or judgment around why you used to do things one way and why you can no longer do it that way and why you're changing and morphing and growing and like, there's just such an appreciation for all the phases and seasons of, of the 
awakening and the empowerment and the liberation process. And like, I just, I think about my own life and I'm like, of course I had to come to this planet and be like so disconnected and so self-loathing and, and, and all I had to fully embody that experience so that I could savor the deliciousness of self-love and awakening all the more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What would you say to women who are listening to this right now and are struggling with, well, I don't, I don't really have a story to tell or, well, my story isn't as important as Golden's um, or, you know, yeah, I just, I don't have anything to say. What, what would you say to them? Well, we tell stories in a million different ways. And like I was saying, a roar doesn't even have to have a sound that's coming out of your body. And the thing is like, yeah, a lot of people are like, why am I even here? Like, what's the point of life? And, you know, it's like there's this overarching sort of muted, dull, gray, depressive energy. And it's like, I'm nothing, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm no big deal. I would venture to say that those folks are sort of on the precipice of diving into their awakening process. And um, the thing is this, like, if you're in a body right now, you need to know that you are a multitude of mind-blowing miracles converging just for you to simply be in a body and take breaths right now. Like, if you're not mind-blown over the fact that you're actually in a body right now, then that's an invitation for you to do a little bit of contemplation and, and breathe in and out of the experience of simply being. I mean, there's no one else on the planet with, what, 7 billion people upon this planet in this moment? There's no one else like you. You're the only one that looks and acts and thinks the way that you do. You're this unique emanation of infinite consciousness in your body temple. And I'm guessing that those people might not be aware of the fact that their body is this sacred temple, a sensing device, a, a, a materialized form of expression for their unique self. And so if you're feeling like you don't really have anything that makes you special amongst the billions of people on the planet, I really think that that's the call to take the inward journey of like, really, truly, who am I? And why did I choose to incarnate in this body? And like, what do I have to express? Who, who am I at the depth and core that is impenetrated, not penetrated by the imprints of society and culture and expectation and etiquette and the whole gamut. It's like go in and figure out who you truly are and there will be a treasure trove of unique gifts that you will find that you already have existing within you. It's just a matter of you actually seeing them. And then and then having I mean, along with that, when the awakening process starts, unconditional self-love is woven into that. And then there is this 
desire to beam it. You, you just, you realize you are beaming it. You are beaming it in all moments. And so it's like when we start the awakening process and we start the revealing of the truth of who we truly are to ourselves, we are the embodiment of that. And it carries into every little thing you do. And that is the roar, is, is figuring out who you actually are and being that and loving that. I love, I love that. I say that all the time that the roar isn't about some, it doesn't have to be about a literal noise you're making or words you're putting out there in the universe. Your roar can be you waking up today, even when you felt like you couldn't. Your roar today could be, you know, calling someone that you've avoided, uh, facing a fear, right? Your, your roar could, I don't know, be forgiving yourself for something that you've held on to for a long time, you know, or forgiving another, right? Like a roar doesn't have to be a literal sound. And I think we get really confined by <laughs> something so obvious. And yet your very experience and existence in this body, like you said, uh, is a roar. Yes. That is the roar. That is the roar. Oh, so good. So good. Oh man. I love it. Okay. My friend, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap this up. Um, and you honestly might have already answered this last question that I wanted to ask you with what you just said, (laughs) but I'm going to go ahead and throw it out for you anyway. Um, if there was one thing you could tell women today, what would you want them to know? Well, I mean, the first words that come might sound cliche, but that saying that you are that which you seek in the world, um, you are that. You are the love that you have longed for your whole life. It, It actually is the true essence of you and that you are enough, you are valuable, you are sacred, you are holy, you are God, infinite, supreme, source, great mystery, spirit, goddess, having a finite experience within a body temple, you are on purpose, you are on a sacred mission on planet earth, in a time of great upheaval upon this planet. And so if you don't already know what a fucking badass you are, I invite you right now to close your eyes and see the truth. Put your arms around your body. Literally, right now, put your arms around your body and hold and embrace this divine masterpiece, work of art, work in progress that is your soul's creation to have this experience and acknowledge What a mind-blowing miracle. Just your simple body temple alone is. Then realizing that you are the illuminating principle within that body. So the body only animates because your essence is in it. And so for this lifetime, this body, this persona, this name, this ethnic background, this all, this nationality, gender, all that. it's, It's your costume for this lifetime. And your infinite self will put on this body, wear this body, utilize this body, 
and then eventually one day you'll drop and release the body and you'll continue to live on eternally and so embrace the preciousness of this finite experience and the intensity of being in the realm of duality pleasure and pain good bad right wrong black and white all of it and can you hold it all in equanimity the brilliance of all of it and how every single thing in your life is showing up for you designed for you by your soul to enhance this journey so if you're in a dark pit of hell and you're trying to figure out what the fuck you're doing on the planet know that this is happening by design on purpose for you to have your remembering of the truth of who you truly are and know that you are so loved and know that you are love itself thank you so much golden um thank you so much I appreciate your voice and I thank you for being here and for sharing your roar with each one of us. It's my honor. Thank you so much for tuning in to this powerful episode of For Women Who Roar. Go ahead and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and take a moment to show us some love in the reviews. Um, Share it out with your friends. Let's bring this to the top of the charts. If you believe in the power of story and authentic storytelling, let's kind of raise the awareness and get the voice of For Women Who Roar out there. We appreciate you. And as always, thank you so much for roaring with us. If you're interested in learning more about For Women Who Roar, you can check us out on our website at forwomenwhoroar.com, as well as our Instagram at For Women Who Roar, and our Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest and YouTube and all the things. We're everywhere. (laughs) So come find us, connect with us, connect with your community. We look forward to connecting with you.